I remember the first time I met Emily and, um, you know, the keyboard player, Emily, who usually stands right to the right of me every week. I remember I met Emily and I was thinking, man, this girl has a mouth on her. <laughs> can I say that? I can be real. Because she'd always just tell me her opinions about church and about preaching and about worship. And just, I'm serious, for like the deep, for the longest time, I'm like, man, she is the most intelligent, smartest teenager I've ever met because she looks really young. And one time I told her, I thought, she, I, I finally had courage to tell her what I really thought of her. How many know when you do that, it's always a shaky ground? But when I said, Emily, how old are you? Because you're not supposed to ask women how old you are. Can I get an amen, man? Come on. And I found out that she's not a teenager. She just got blessed with good young genes. Amen. That is our, that's the start of our friendship. She almost stopped being my friend a few years ago because I thought she was young. I thought that was a good thing to be thought you were young. Come on, somebody. But it's not a good thing for Emily. So Emily is, I'm not going to tell you how old she is, but she is a seasoned, mature disciple of Jesus. Emily is almost like nobody else I've ever met. She, uh, the, our youth group is getting ready to celebrate a year. The reach of our youth group almost completely on Emily's back. She's had a few helpers, and I'm, we love you, and there's going to be sign-up. She's going to tell you. I'm not going to steal her thunder. But she's traveled from San Luis Obispo to the five cities to Napomo, all the way around Santa Maria for the young people of this community to realize that they don't have to be orphans, that there's a family they can belong to in Jesus. And I've watched for the last year a woman pour out her life, giving her life like we're talking about this week, that these young people could know that they're not mistakes or screw-ups or washouts or that they're just, they're not wanted or loved. She's given her life. I've watched her, and I'm seeing young people be raised up as leaders in this church through her leadership. And so I gave her, she's going to be the main speaker, and then she's going to introduce, introduce our special, special, special guest, our other main speaker. But if you would, just give a huge round of applause for Pastor Emily over our youth ministry. So how it really went down is, oh. that, is, that, is that we were driving on a ministry trip to Ojai, and Chad saying some flippant thing like, oh, I can say this. There's no teenagers in here. Wait, Emily, how old are you? And I was like, I was like, oh, no, you didn't. I was like, no. I was like, I'm 29 years old. This, or maybe I was like 28 at the time. I'm 30 now. So I don't mind telling you because um, people sometimes treat me like I'm younger, but I'm not. So anyhow, um, that's, not what we're, that's not what we're talking about today. But um, just, just, thought, just thought we should set the record straight. Um, so anyhow, um, have you guys read that scripture in the Bible where it says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men? Have you guys read that? Um, we're going to be actually talking about that a little bit today. Matthew 4:19. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into a lake for they were fishermen. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And this is how Jesus recruited his 12. So that he'd never met them before, never had relationship with them, saw them out fishing, out in the workplace, and he calls out to them. He says, if you will follow me, I will show you how to fish for people. And, and I've just noticed a trend, and I'm going to give you the statistics, but I've noticed a trend among Christians and in churches is that we've forgotten how to fish for people. And uh, I'm actually, uh, <laughs> you can find all the information on the internet, but um, 
95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ. 95%. Less than 2% are involved in winning the lost. So it makes sense why Jesus told the story that he had to leave the 99. Because there's this whole conglomeration of 99, you know, in the 90 percentile of, of ones that are just gathering and staying gathered. But they're never going out to reach the lost. 95%. 71% do not give uh, toward the finan- financing of the Great Commission. So at least we have a little bit more that do. That's almost 30% that do give towards it. So that's good. Uh, you know, better than our other statistic. 85% of all Christian conversions happen between the ages of 4 to 14. Can we show that slide? Wow. 85, was it 85%? Yeah, 85% of all Christian conversions. So that means... If you're above the age of 30, you have a 4% chance of coming to faith. The average size youth group in America is eight kids. So if we want to talk about the future of the church, then we need to think about what we're looking at right here. Our 4 to 14-year-olds. And our youth and our and the young people, because if you're over the age of 30, four percent, four percent chance that you're going to come to follow Jesus. So we actually have a fishing problem. Yes. If we have youth groups that have eight kids, then in 30 years we're going to have churches that have eight people in them. You know, eight, eight, twenty, thirty. You know. Uh, so there's actually a problem. Um, I, I want to I wanna give you a little bit more here. Um, this is about fatherlessness in young people. And I've read you guys some of these stats before, so you might remember them. But just in case you forgot, I'm going to just give you a little refresher. 85% of youths in prisons grew up in a fatherless home. 90% of homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 71% of pregnant teenagers lack a father. of children who exhibit behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides, over half, are from fatherless homes. Um, We're talking about this today because we live in a city where there are a lot of fatherless young people. And you don't have to go far to find them. And uh, it's actually not hard at all to reach them. And it's not hard to love them. And, And there's just tons of them, just everywhere. So the harvest is, is full. We don't have a harvest issue. Um, I want to read you this scripture, John 21, 4. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? And they said, no. And I think if Jesus asked us today, hey, do you guys have any fish? I wonder if we would be the 95% that would say no. I wonder if we're the 95% that have never led a single person to follow Jesus before. I wonder if we would say, no, we don't have any fish. Maybe one of us do. Maybe a couple of us. No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. I'm going to skip down a little bit. And this is in the same, it's funny because I was asking God what to share today and and these two scriptures came to mind and I didn't realize until I looked them up that they're from the same story. So then Jesus eats with his disciples, they have a little conversation and then Jesus gets one-on-one with Peter 
And this is after Jesus had gone to the cross and Peter had denied him. This is their first one-on-one since then. It says, when they had finished eating all the fish that they had just caught, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And there's a correlation between fishing on the other side of the boat and loving Jesus enough to feed his sheep. And, and what Jesus is wanting us to know today and, and what I've been praying for for this church and for this city is that some people would begin to catch the heart of God for the lost. Because your life is really short, and it may feel like it's long because you're busy, and it may feel like, you know, you've got a lot going on, you don't have time to think about how short your life is, but pretty soon, you're going to look back, and most of your life will have been over, and you won't have time to go back and redo anything. You won't have time to go back and reach more lost people. You're not going to have time to go back and be a father and a mother to lost and hurting people, and it'll be a little bit past your, your season. And so if you're not careful, your life's going to pass, and you're going to get to heaven, and you're not going to have a whole bunch of people behind you that you got to bring into heaven with you. It's just going to be you all by yourself. You're going to be like, all right, here I am, Jesus. He's going to be like, all right, well, cool. What did you do with your time on earth? And the Bible says that we're going to be accountable to God for how we live our lives. And so at some point, something that we do in our day has to count for eternity because we're going to give an account to God for how we've lived and what we've done. And the Bible, many times in scripture, Jesus shows us that how we love him is directly related to how we love people. And how we treat God is, is, is most obvious by how we're going to treat lost and hurting and broken people. So Basically, all this is just to ask you guys if you could become spiritual moms and dads to the next generation. Because uh, there, there's too many of them for me to, to, to reach by myself. I, I'm planning this invite night, and every now and then we have these. And uh, this one girl I asked, I, I was like, hey, like, who, who are you bringing to invite night? And she's like, you know, I don't think I'm going to invite any of my friends. And I knew there was a reason, so I wasn't, like, annoyed at all. I was like, oh, why not? She goes, well... I think they're going to want all the attention. And what she's really saying is that she knows there's only one of me. (laughs) And if if she's like, yeah, I have like 40 friends that I could bring, but they're going to want all the attention. I'm like, I I just looked at her. I said, you know what? If you bring your friends, I promise you I'll get enough adults here to give them all the attention that they need. And I want to keep that promise to her. And so I need people. I need mentors. I need moms and dads that can give these kids their attention that they need. 1 Corinthians 4.15, for if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. I think sometimes we have a problem with too many Bible studies and not enough moms and dads. I think we get together and we talk a lot, but we don't do a lot. Luke 1.17, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. People aren't ready to, to receive Jesus until somebody has, has turned their hearts to them. You know, like you have to be like 
involved in their life. They're not just magically like finding Jesus on their own. Somebody has to go to them. Um, one thing that uh, we, we've worked hard to do, because if, if you were to have a conversation with any of the kids that come to youth group, I think we had only a handful here on Friday night, maybe like 15 kids. And uh, I was thinking about them after service. And I was thinking of, of all the kids that were came, came, I was like, I wonder how many, I was just shifting through in my head, how many of them actually have a mom and a dad that lives with them? And out of the 15, I could count one that lives with both his mom and his dad. And that, that's rough because... You know, the second half of the night, what we, what we do the first half of the night is we have family meal together. Because, you know, if I were to go through and tell you all their stories, you would know that they don't have family meal and they don't really have family. And so we have family meal and everyone goes around and they talk and, and they share something about their life. And we, we model what a family would be if they were in a family. And uh, then what happens is, uh, you know, we will give them some instruction because that's what parents do. You know, they give instruction, they give good advice to their kids. And so we have some time where we give some instruction. And then, and then we break up and we have some time where we actually model what it looks like to love somebody. And instead of talking, we become the ones that listen. And then they can tell us what's going on in their life and what they need prayer for and what they need advice with. And uh, this one... <laughs> Yeah, I wish I could tell you all their stories, but why don't you just come and you can hear them yourself. Um, um, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, ask and I'll give you the nations. And I remember just, just praying over this scripture. My whole, my whole, you know, last 10 years of my life, it's just been burning in my heart. Like, I think we're not asking big enough. He said if we'd ask, he'd give us the nations. And I, I felt convicted because I had always wanted to be a missionary when I was young. I just wanted to be a missionary. And I felt God convicting me, like, how could you go to the nations? Why would you be willing to go to a far country if you can't even reach the ones in your own neighborhood? You can't even reach the ones right here, just down the road. And I thought, man, like, I can't, I can't even ask for the nations yet. I haven't been responsible with my own city yet. I haven't even won this city yet. And so I just wish we could think like that. I wish we could think like, you know, what are we doing with what God's given us right now? What are we doing with the city that we live in right now? Because if the statistics show that there's fatherlessness and we're sitting in our Bible studies not fathering anybody, then I have a problem with that. You know, if the city shows that we have gang violence and all this other stuff and we're not friends with any gang members, that's going to be a problem. Because how are we going to actually show them Jesus' love if we're not around them? And, and I could just tell you from my own life, like, I don't live out of just like, oh, I hope I can get everyone saved. I live just out of conviction of like, I hope I could be a good Christian. Like, I hope I could just be like Jesus, you know? And when you're just trying to be like Jesus and you're just trying to follow him, he'll lead you and show you how to fish for people. And so eventually people start to be a part of your life. Eventually people just start to follow you because you're just doing the same stuff that Jesus did. You know, I could, I could tell you a lot of stories, um, but make your own story. Like, I want to hear your story. Who, who are you leading to Jesus? Like, who's following you? When you get to heaven, is there going to be anyone behind you? Um, so I can tell you that we have open doors in the city, and I can tell you that young people are ready. And I could tell you that it's not hard to win anyone to, to Jesus, not hard one bit. And so some of you guys think it's really hard because you've been fishing on the wrong side of the boat. And so you're tired and you're worn out and, and you know, you're probably trying to reach that 4% right there, the ones that are going to be very, very difficult to reach. But if you would just fish on the other side of the boat, I could tell you it would be really easy. I, I don't have one bit of trouble winning lost people, not one bit. All I have to do is show up. 
And when they call me, I go and I pick them up. And sometimes they call me at 6 and 7 in the morning. They ask me for a ride for school because their parent isn't there for them. And I go and pick them up. And sometimes, like last night, they call me while I'm at my friend's birthday party. And they need a ride from Los Barros over to Orchid to go and visit their sister who had a bad day. And so I go and pick them up. Because if their own parents can't show up for them, then they need somebody here in the church that can show them what love looks like. And I'm just going to tell you one last story because this one, it really means something to me. Um, uh, we had a conversation this last Friday night in the kitchen. And, and one of my girls, uh, she was just sharing how, um, you know, she, she, doesn't have, she doesn't have two parents like how we all did, you know, or maybe not all of us. But she was just sharing a little bit about her life and um, she was talking about her mom that, you know, has been in prison and different things like that. And, you know, she doesn't have a mom to take her to do the things that moms are supposed to do and to teach her the right stuff and to get her the dress for the, you know, dance thing and all that. And I was like, man, like, that's what I'm here for. Like, I'm going to take you to do that stuff. Um, but I wish we had more people that, that could do that for these kids because they don't just need a Bible study. They need a parent and they need, they need somebody to actually show them what love looks like. And, and she was telling me about um, her dad and how sometimes um, her dad gets mad and, and, and says stuff that he doesn't mean. And she's really pretty sure he doesn't mean it. But, but he got mad at her, you know, the other day and, and said that, um, you know, maybe if she didn't get it together, then maybe he's going to leave her just like her mom. And, and she said, you know, yeah, it hurt me because I thought maybe I'm just not worth it. Like maybe I'm not worth it for anyone to stay in my life. And, you know, I wish that there was enough people that could show them that they're worth it by showing up. It's not that hard. It's not very hard to win lost people, not hard one bit. But if you're, if you're in the 4%, it might be. But if you're in this big, massive piece of the pie right here, it's actually very easy. All you have to do is show up. All you have to do is actually love them and be there when they need you. Um, and so um, we have lots of opportunities um, there, there are no closed doors in this city. And I've been praying for years that God would give us the city. I've been praying over the city for years. God, give me Santa Maria. And I've been praying over the other cities in the, in the central coast. God, give me Napomo. And, and I feel like God's not going to say no because he said, if you ask, I'll give you the nations. Um, at Pioneer High, we, we, uh, I just went with Mercy Church uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we launched a club, we meaning them, and I showed up. Uh, they launched a club, and there's 50 kids in the very first day that packed out the whole room. There probably would have been more, but they didn't have enough space, the very first club. Um, Nipomo High, uh, Be Strong Life Club, last year, they wrapped up their season with 120 kids at their club, just yes. preaching the gospel to them. Uh, Three weeks ago, we launched, we, my friend Sarah at the Healing Rooms, and I showed up. Uh, she launched a club at, at Regetti High. We had 90 kids there our very first day. And so I can tell you, the Bible says that uh, the, the fields are ripe for the harvest. So Jesus went through the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. It says when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he asked, them, he, he asked his disciples, he turns to them and he says to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So we don't have a harvest issue. We don't have a lost people problem. What we have is a harvester issue. We have, we have a mentor problem. We have a deficit of people. We have a 95 percentile amount of Christians that won't go. He says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Um, 
I, I was just looking at statistics uh, last night uh, on the computer about Santa Maria. I just like to be informed of Santa Maria and, and the city that I live in because I feel responsible for it. And so I was just looking up statistics, and you can put up that other slide. If you want to look at what happens when you're in a town that's an agriculture town, the very mo biggest and highest and greatest industry need in a, in a town that's growing crops is harvesters. And so if you look at this, you're going to see the very tallest one. That actually stands for field workers. Because when you have a great harvest, you have a great need for workers. And so businesses understand this, right? You know, we're in a town where everywhere you go, you're going to see crops, you're going to see fields. And so what they've done is they've gone and they've gotten an adequate amount of workers for the harvest that they had. And so the very highest industry in this city is harvesters. And I wish that that was true of the church. I wish that we had the same amount. I wish that the graph looked like that for the church. I wish that I could show you 95% uh, of people that were going out and they were mentoring people and they were harvesting and they were fishing on the right side of the boat. I wish that it looked like that instead of what it looks like right now. Because if we would actually think strategically, we could actually make a difference in this town. And so we have a lot of opportunities and a lot of open doors. Um, and if we would decide to actually follow Jesus, um, he would teach us how to fish for men. And so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call up my friend Barbara. Where's she at? Oh, come on up, Barbara. You guys give her a hand. So Barbara is really cool. And um, she's not just cool, but um, she's actually in the thick of what I'm talking about right now. She's the vice principal at Fessler Junior High. And what do you have, like 980 kids there? Almost a thousand kids, and, and I just want to ask you guys just to extend your hands towards her right now because you have no idea how hard she works and labors to um, help these kids, and it's a job that is not just a job, but it's, it's a calling, and God's using her there to help people, but she needs support and prayer, so let's just commit to pray for her every day. So, God, we just thank you for Barbara. God, we thank you for the call that is on her life, God, to be in this field, God, where there's need and to, uh, to see young people set free, God, from issues and, and uh, abuse and neglect, God, and to see them uh, brought into healthy families. God, we thank you for using her. God, we thank you that she's providing them the possibility to have education so they can break cycles of poverty. And, God, we just pray that your spirit will rest on her, God, and that you would use her, God, in a powerful way in our city to change the statistics of gang violence, God, of rape, of neglect, of abuse. God, we ask that you would continue to anoint her hands and her words, God, as she works. In Jesus' name, yes. amen. amen. Oh, I'm so blessed. Thank you. Oh, I can't believe I'm here today speaking to all of you, and I really appreciate the opportunity. Chad and Emily um, came to me last year and said, our church is really interested in possibly thinking about maybe doing something at somewhere nearby our church where we could have some people that could help us. Fessler Junior High is only, what is it, Chad, 1.6 miles? 1.6 miles, yeah. On the other side of Jack in the Box, it's that school you see when you're coming in <clears throat> on the freeway there on the right-hand side, the, on the uh, west side of the freeway. That's a lot of 11, 12, and 13-year-olds in one spot. <laughs> And I don't know if you can tell that from the street, but there are a lot of things going on there. And I, as the assistant principal, have 
many roles. One of them, a big one for me, is trying to keep the campus safe. And safety means a lot of things. Safety means feeling like somebody's not going to bully me. Safety means maybe I, don't, I left my house this morning and I don't have enough food. Safety means a lot of things. And my job as assistant principal is really something that I need a lot of help with. And when Emily and Chad said, I think we want to adopt Fessler, I said, wow, that's a great idea. We could really use the help. And let me give you just a little bit of background first, and I won't go into this too much, but we're Santa Maria Benita School District. We have four junior highs. Each junior high has four feeder schools, about four feeder schools. Our feeder schools are Miller, the one right here, Alvin, the one down on Alvin Street. We have Battles near here also. And then we have, help me, Becky. Adam, Adam, which is in, over by the Miami Center on that side. So the areas of town that we draw our kids from ha are needy. A lot of them have brothers or sisters or parents that are involved in gangs. A lot of them have things that, stories that they tell where they um, just need some loving. They need someone to know that cares about them. They need support. One of the things that Chad and Emily have talked about is possibly having volunteers that could come in to be their mentor, just to be somebody else that they know that cares about them, that could tutor them. A lot of our kids, especially in math, have gaps in math where they, for, they never were there to learn how to add and subtract, multiply, and especially divide, and they get to us in junior high and they don't know how to do that. So one-on-one -on -one of an adult with a kid I can see is a really important thing. One of the district goals, and so we have, district has goals too, you know, to provide procedures and support and that kind of thing. Maintain a safe, this is my biggest one, maintain a safe, secure, healthy, and positive learning environment for all students and staff. But another goal that the district has, and I think this also relates to you all, create a culture of respect and caring that supports positive relationships among parents, staff, students, and community members. And that's really what we want to do. Yeah. Becky Aguilar is one of the counselors at our school. And she can tell you firsthand that we do not have enough counselors. We do not have enough people that the kids can count on to just chat with or to talk to or to have people know that they care about them. Becky is unbelievable at what she does at our school. Unbelievable, really. She and her partner try as hard as they can to love on these kids, to guide them, to make them feel like they can learn. Because if you don't take care of their lower needs, like shelter, food, clothing, love, then they're not going to do those higher level needs like learning and being a productive member of society and doing those kinds of things. So I guess what we are asking for you is just support for some of our programs. We have clubs, we have tutoring opportunities, we have, um, if you, 
just being eyes and ears on campus will help me tremendously in my job as a discipline person, one of, one of the discipline people. Just being on campus, like with, we would give you a, we, you don't have to do the discipline, you just have to say, Jimmy over there, it looks like he and that other boy that they're hanging around with, uh, they're either play fighting or that's real fighting. And then I would go and find out for sure if it was play fighting or real fighting. You don't have to do that. That would never be your job. Or maybe Susie over there and Jaime are getting a little bit too chummy. And you call me on my radio and you say, Ms. Jones, I think you need to get over here. I'm looking at these two little lovebirds and they're over there by the fence. And I would go over there and give them a little bit more education that they need. Information that they need about their education. Pardon? Come on. <laughs> another, another idea for you all is that when we have field trips, it's very hard to find chaperones. If you could come and be a chaperone on some of our field trips, that would help us out a lot. Um, we have a snack bar that um, gives, it helps our parent-teacher club, and our parent-teacher club supports what we call PBIS, which stands for Positive Behavior Intervention Support. And positive behavior intervention support is not stop doing that, it's stop, stop yelling instead of saying to them, you know, we really try to use a quiet voice around here, that kind of thing, more positive aspect. So in order to support that program, we have incentives and donations is, a, is something that we could use too. Bottles of water, small bags of chips, uh, candy bars, that kind of stuff. We sell those at our games. And that could be another idea of some place where you could help serve us. Um, we have this thing, opportunity called Check In, Check Out, where some of our kids just need somebody to look at their agenda book and say, we haven't filled out any, you haven't done any homework because you haven't filled out any of your assignments. Just looking at their agenda books, chatting with them, finding out how their day is, that kind of stuff. Just to share one last thing, and I know that we're kind of running late, but I just want to share with you the Emily was pretty descriptive with her, the 85%, and we're the 11, 12, and 13-year-olds of, of that one. And I think that that wow. says a lot in terms of the need and you just being there and being a good example for them. We have kids that deal with trauma all the time. I had a kid, and sometimes it doesn't come out till later, and sometimes it, something that happened even in elementary school might come out in junior high, for example. This kid witnessed his brother being shot on his front yard. And it didn't, even, it didn't even come out until I was dealing with discipline with this kid. And I'm like, why are you doing this? It's so self-destructive. And then the more I talked to him, the more I talked about it. And, then, and Becky can relate to a lot more than these examples than I can. But, you know, there's something wrong when the discipline is not right. And that's part of where I'm coming from, too, with all of you. Maybe you can reach out to some of these kids that deal with this trauma that goes on in their lives and just, just be there to, to show them that adults care about kids. I guess that's it more than anything. So in closing, let me just share something about myself. We asked our kids in the whole school to do this writing prompt. If you really knew me, this is what you would also know. I'm very blessed to work at Fessler. I love my job. I love the people I work with, like Becky. I see um, Kristen Lohr over there also. She, she's a teacher in our district. 
And I pray every day that God will use me for his good. Take my gifts and my talents and help me to be a good steward. I want to be that person that God wants me to be. I want to be a good listener, not just for the people that I come in contact with, but I want to be a good listener for when God is talking to me. And when working with students, I want to give them the support that they need for their success. And I tell them this because you know why I'm trying to help you right now? Because one of these days, I'm going to be sitting on my front porch in my rocking chair, and I want the world to be a better place because you're making the world a better place. And we have an opportunity to do that with the young folks over at Fessler Junior High. If you want an opportunity to check out how God can use you for some of these things, come on by. We can certainly put you to work at Fessler. Check with Emily and check with Chad. We chat all the time about trying to do stuff over there. And I thank you for this opportunity. Thanks a lot. Man, is anyone's heart, heart stirred? Is anybody a little offended? I am. How many know sometimes you got to cut, cut our heart open so we can plant some new seeds? Amen? Anyone feel like their heart's been cut a little bit? I'm just going to cry the whole rest of the day. So I'm not going to say much more because crying is good, but we got to say yes and we got to move forward. Amen? Barb, it's such an honor to have you and your husband with us. Can we just tell him thank you again for... I know what you're thinking, but Chad, I can't, I can't sign up for everything, and you're thinking correctly. So take a dip, bre- deep breath and chill out. But you can do something. Everyone say, I can do something. I can sign up. I can serve. I can go to the next level of joining Jesus' heart. And uh, Emily and Barb are going to be uh, available after the service, if, out in the back, to just if you want to ask any questions. Again, there's a, tons of sign-ups back there, but especially why I wanted to give plenty of time to youth, because it is a desperate need in this city. If you agree, say amen. And that chart, just leave that chart up as we go. Can you leave that? It's just such a powerful chart. This is legit. How many remember coming to faith between the age 4 and 14? Raise your hand if that's you. I mean, almost all of us. And so can we just stand together? I want to send us out. And so honored. Can we say thank you to Emily for just bringing a powerful, powerful word? She's one of my favorite preachers. And that's not a, that's not a joke. Just extend your hand like this and just, just in your own heart, just say, Lord Jesus, what is my next step today? In your own heart. And maybe grab your smartphone, maybe grab a piece of paper, grab your bulletin. And if he shows you your next step, whether it's to pour into this big old giant slice of the pie, or it's to be a greeter or usher, it's okay but to jump into this thing called family, to go to the next level and serving together. Just say, Jesus, show me, what is my next step?
And then this next prayer might be just as important. Jesus, what is a hurdle or a barrier to that next step? <laughs> and then whatever he shows you, say, Jesus, you can smash that thing. <laughs> Come on, someone say it. Jesus, you can smash that thing. That feeling of inadequacy, that feeling of fear, that feeling of what if or shouldn'ts or couldn'ts. Jesus, you can break through that barrier and you can help me take that step. And then lastly, I want to give real priority to this, just especially for today because of what's been shared. Jesus, how am I going to pour into the next generation? Whether it's praying, fasting, whether it's being a mentor, whether it's being someone who takes the prayer needs from a Friday night and praying with them in your small group, there's 50 ways, guys, but ask Jesus, Jesus, how can I partner with your heart for the next generation? Serving with our kids, our children, our youth, and just say, Jesus, help me to take that step. Jesus, help me to take that step. And Father, as the pastor of this place, I pray, as I sent out our church email today, that we would be a refuge for the young people of this community. Not just this place, but as a people, we would be walking refuges, if that even makes sense. That when young people experience us, they find a safe place as Vice Principal Barbara has already shared the desperate need for safe people to love, to care, and to nurture. Father, we thank you for the open doors that we have all over this town, but specifically even with Fessler, that the administration says, just come. You can do anything. Music, art, poetry, mentoring. Lord, seize our hearts and help us take that next step in faith today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. and amen.